logistics, okay? Freaking logistics, man. Ready to talk logistics? But how? It can't be done. We should probably figure out some logistics. And I think that being able to pay more to play is like, you're probably going to win. You know, it's something along the lines of whoever can pay more to acquire customers is going to be the winner. That's Zach Stuck. Zach is a 29-year-old entrepreneur based in the Midwest. He's the founder of Homestead, which is a growth marketing agency for seven to eight-figure e-commerce stores. Zach also owns and operates two DTC brands, Public Supply and a new stealth apparel brand. Prior to starting Homestead, Zach worked as a growth marketer and freelance e-commerce director. Coming from a lineage of inventors, Zach emulates the entrepreneurial mindset through his passion for scaling e-commerce brands. On today's episode, Zach discusses the stark learning curve founders face when it comes to e-commerce fulfillment, why brands need to understand that they have to pay to play, and how he thinks the future of e-commerce space will become more competitive than ever. Zach brings a unique marketer's perspective on growing e-commerce brands. I certainly learned a lot from this conversation and hope you do too. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is powered by the team at Stored. Turn your supply chain into a competitive advantage. Go to Stored.com to learn more. I'm your host, Alex Kent, Director of Sales at Stored, and this is Supply Chain Therapy. All right, here today with Zach Stuck, founder of Homestead, as well as owner of a stealth apparel brand and public supply. Zach, thanks for joining. What's going on, my man? Hey, Alex. Doing well, man. Great to be here. Yeah, excited to have you. Excited about the conversation and uh, hopefully giving the listeners a lot to learn. So let's dive right in. You know, let, let's talk a little bit about the current role and, and what you're in charge of, specifically as the founder of Homestead. Yeah, totally. So Homestead is a growth marketing agency focused on uh, direct consumer brands. So we are primarily doing paid social, some paid search, creative for paid social, and then email and SMS for brands. So I'm the founder of the company, started Homestead almost three years ago now. And as of January, I actually stepped as CEO and brought in an awesome operator, Riley Trotter, who I've known for a while now, who kind of runs more of the day-to-day. But yeah, so I'm pretty much doing just high-level strategy for brands, chipping in, making sure that our pipeline's strong and that we're hiring awesome people. But yeah, that's what I'm up to. That's what I'm up to over there. Yeah, I imagine that... Well, I say this, but I could be wrong, but that gives you a little bit more freedom and time to work on this stealth apparel brand and public supply, right? Yeah, totally. So yeah, the whole point was, you know, with me stepping out was to give, you know, give myself a little more capacity to go after and do the brand building stuff. So yeah, I mean, I I started in e-commerce when I was 19 in college and, you know, did the traditional launch your own apparel brand, which is basically just like a print on demand type of thing before like POD was big. But yeah, so, you know, after being in the agency space for almost 10 years, like it, it was all right, well, I should probably get back to like my roots, which is actually on the brand side and, and trying to build stuff versus, you know, obviously being able to help brands is amazing and a lot of fun. But when it can be your own thing, it's it's pretty sweet too. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that and, and the drive that you have to build brands and, and build things that I'm assuming people love. And and that's, you know, the whole goal. But where does that come from on on your end? Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds kind of lame to say this, but like, I feel like it's like, you know, just like built in me. So both my dad, my grandpa, my great grandpa, all inventors. So I've actually like really enjoyed the product innovation side of things and like actually getting my hands dirty with like creating things from scratch or just trying to make new stuff. So yeah, I'm like both of the brands. So one, one's apparel. So that one kind of got deep into the, into the whole actual like supply chain, getting into like, what are the raw materials? Where can these be found? Where can these be sourced? All that good stuff, which can be lame to some people, but it's a blast to other people that like are trying to 
Yeah. You know, make brand new things. So yeah, on the apparel side, that's been fun. On the other company that I run, Public Supply, it's a notebook we manufacture in, in the US. Same with the apparel brand. But that one was more like uh, I saw a brand that had a lot of opportunity to it. And I felt like the team that kind of started that company just like didn't have the time and energy really to take it to where I knew it could go. So, you know, wanted to get more back into that. But yeah, I mean, as far as like the brand side, the product side, I mean, you know, my, my dad's an inventor, has a bunch of patents, grandpas have patents, all that good stuff. I don't have any yet, but it's been part of, you know, definitely like my family ecosystem growing up is just like coming up with ideas or throwing stuff out there. <laughs> Not yet. So yeah, I'm excited to be back in that category. Yeah, I love that. I, I can't say the same about my family and I know they're going to listen to this, but my brother and my father are attorneys and I could never see myself being an attorney. So shout out to you guys, but also shout out to Zach here for for following the family tradition. Talking a little bit, and, and I want to dive into the supply chain, especially just because you're launching a new brand. You know, public supply was existing, but you're still focused on the supply chain. You know, what are you doing? What are you seeing right now in, in both facets of those that, you know, hey, the supply chain is affecting this and, and here's how we're going to attack it? Yeah. So, I mean, huge paper shortage right now. So I don't know if you're familiar with that, Alex, you probably are, but that's massive. So as a notebook company, that is literally the bread and butter of our business, (laughs) right? Is paper. So yeah, I mean, having to learn more about how that trickles down from the actual like production, you know, all the way to the end result, which is the notebook. We've pretty much had to focus more now on just doing bigger buys, bigger POs, which is is very different from what the previous owners of the company were used to doing. I mean, they used to be able to have like you know, minimum order quantity of like 10,000 to 15,000 units now are like minimum POs to just like secure the paper alone has to be like in the, you know, 100k notebooks at a time. Otherwise, we won't get the allocation of paper, which is kind of wild. So yeah, I mean, that's really on the notebook side, like we've really just had to find ways and be crafty with like debt financing to like order more products, which, you know, over the last few months, I've gone down the rabbit hole of debt financing and all these like online vendors and trying to nail that down and see who's got the best deal and, you know, the cheapest money to borrow. But that's been a big thing is like really just having to like put more more money behind the product, which is exciting because it's like, I want the company to grow, but I <laughs> I don't know what the market's going to do. I don't know, you know, if people are going to keep buying these notebooks or not. So that's a little scary. And then, you know, on the apparel side, so we, you know, when we started the company, we we're planning to just work through someone who was just basically sourcing all the materials for the product that we sell. And I ended up finding out that they were actually outsourcing to another <laughs> another company And from there, I was able to go to that company and basically figure out where the raw materials were coming from. So after that, a lot of Googling, you know, we actually were able to nail down some like raw material manufacturers in the like the origin countries. So we actually import a lot from Peru right now, funny enough. And so we do that all on our own. So we actually import raw materials from Peru, a couple other countries to our manufacturer, which is in North Carolina. And that's helped us cut costs as well. But, you know, I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit. But that's obviously been a, you know, <laughs> a lot of headaches with that too. Cutting costs, but then more issues come up. So yeah, that's kind of what we're up to now on both brands. Oh, that's good stuff. And I, I imagine it's not easy to find out that, you know, there's three layers on top and, and you figured out a way to go all the way down to the source. So that's good stuff, especially if you're focused on cutting costs and, and reducing operating costs. That's the way to do it, right? Totally. What did you least expect about supply chains, logistics, fulfillment? I mean, you've been in e-commerce for 10, 11 years, right? But what's like the one thing you're like, whoa, I didn't realize this? So yeah, I mean, (laughs) 
Early days was just like, I wanted t-shirts made. So I'd go to my local print shop and like they'd print the t-shirts. They had them there. I didn't, wasn't really ever thinking about like what it all took to get the t-shirts even to them. So that was a very basic business. Then getting into like the agency side of things, like, I, you know, I've been a consumer of products and just like on the agency side, which is more the growth front. So I haven't, I haven't had to really deal with, you know, things. It's clients come to us. They've got a brand. They've got products that they want us to help them sell. And our job is to like sell them profitably. Right. So as long as they're keeping, you know, the warehouse is filled, I've never really had to think about it a ton, which is, is kind of crazy and kind of ignorant at the end of the day. So then doing it yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. You know, you don't really think about, you don't think about all the steps that it takes to get a product from like idea to manufactured to like actually made to in the 3PL or in, at your own fulfillment to then out. And I think the biggest thing there that like really threw me off was just like the time it takes. Like, so for us, for like our apparel brand, like it's, you know, put in a purchase order, it's 120 days before that product's even like able to be sold. And when you don't, you know, you just expect that you can always be buying stuff from brands and you're like, why are they sold out of products? This makes no sense. Like, why wouldn't they keep their best sellers in stock? It's like, just even little nuances, like the time that it actually takes to get a product to a warehouse before you can even buy it from a brand, that definitely was a huge learning curve. And then, yeah, I mean, just like all the little nuance of just managing inventory, right? Like you, as a consumer, you're just kind of, before e-com was a big thing, you'd walk to the store, you get your stuff, it's there. If it's there, great. And it usually is. As a consumer on e-com sites, you go to the sites and you find the products that you like. And if they're not there, you're always just thrown off. Like, why is this not happening? So I definitely had more of that ignorance coming into this. So I have a lot more empathy now for brands, even just on the agency side, for how hard it is to just keep products in stock just due to customer fluctuations of like trends of colors of, you know, if, if it's apparel or if it's like home goods, it's like, you know, our yellow blanket sold really well the last couple of weeks. So now we're completely sold out. And it's like that we won't have more for 90 days. Now we have to like completely pivot our marketing strategies. Just the little things like that, you know, we weren't super used to. Yeah, imagine on growth marketing side, right? Like you're not thinking about the supply chain, you're just expecting that to be there. And if you're doing your job well, it's not there. And then you have to adjust and pivot and continue to reiterate on those strategies, right? Yeah, yeah. And honestly, like just even the idea of like how much cash it requires for some of these brands to grow at the rate that they're growing is is insane. You know, we have clients of ours that are bootstrapped, VC backed, under PE firms, like all over the place. But I mean, some of these brands that are bootstrapped that have been able to grow from $100,000 a month in revenue one month to a million dollars a month in revenue six months later. And just like to be able to cash flow that inventory and forecast, like it is pretty wild. It is pretty wild. And yeah, normally our job is just keep acquiring customers profitably. And if, if that's the case, just like keep on moving, keep on scaling. But yeah, you don't really spend a lot of time thinking about all the moving pieces behind the scenes to like even get the product at the warehouse before we can even sell it online, so. Well, let's dive into our next segment, all about challenges. Houston, we have a problem. problem. You know, Zach, I wanna ask you, what are three individual challenges that, that you are facing in regards to the supply chain today? You touched on them a little bit, but maybe touch on how you're addressing that. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of give perspective from my own brands and also from the agency. I mean, we've had brands at the agency that are in, you know, candle brands or, you know, we have an NA cocktail brand that we work with that was, you know, relying on glass for their products. And just the idea of like them not being able to produce enough glass has had to like have them make pivots to make, you know, new products that didn't even exist prior. So I think that's one thing that's been really interesting is to see how some of these brands have, you know, been able to innovate on just like 
you know, can we make a candle without glass? Like what is our next step? Right. And just little things like that, that, that have been pretty sweet to see. So that's more like on the agency side, that's been really interesting is just some of the product innovation that's come out of some of the shortages in, in, in you know, just these raw goods outside of that, you know, my own brand, I mean, importing raw materials into a country for the first time and dealing with DHL for the first time is no fun. It's absolutely no fun. You know, we actually ended up recently on, on a PO. They they thought our EIN number was wrong. So we, you know, basically product got stuck in customs for weeks. How long? Because I've heard some horror stories recently. Weeks. So it's probably, you know, it was about four, four weeks. And then it got moved from one location to another. We didn't know that. So yeah, pretty wild. That that was one thing. And then yeah, I mean, I, I already kind of hit on like the paper shortage stuff with the notebook company. But yeah, I think the product innovation due to shortages has been really interesting. I think that just even seeing more brands try to then produce even in the US has been really interesting. So like both of my brands, it's kind of the main reason why I actually picked those, these kind of two things is we can make you know, the apparel in the US and North Carolina, and we can make the notebooks in New Jersey. So I knew that we'd have a little more control over things compared to having to deal with like, you know, container prices being astronomical and stuff like that. I'm curious, how do you even go about finding a supplier? Like, where do you start? Are you tapping into your personal network? Are you going yeah. online at Google? What, like, are there resources out there? So the, the notebook company that I bought through a website called MicroAcquire. So I don't know oh, if you're yeah. familiar with them. So yeah. yeah, so I actually found that through MicroAcquire, which is pretty sweet. That's pretty straightforward but from there on out. Now, as far as the apparel brand, yeah, I mean, it started with Google. And then you kind of get into the weeds of like, who are all the potential manufacturers that you can work with? And then you start to learn, you know, a lot of these manufacturers all know each other, which is just kind of a, you know, a wild scenario to be in where you're talking to five different manufacturers. They all know each other well. And so you don't really know like how to position them against each other. And you're like, oh, I want a better price, but I also know that you know this. So that was really interesting to kind of learn. But, you know, outside of that, then like, you know, tapping into some of my resources from the agency with some of the brands that are doing similar products was great. More just about how they're going about forecasting, how they're going about debt financing for inventory. I, I more got that benefit than you straight to the manufacturer, straight to like the products. And yeah, I mean, for the apparel brand, I think we spent maybe 10, 15 grand on just like prototyping for about six months, just because we wanted to get it right. We knew that, you know, if we were going to do something, we wanted to make something brand new that no one ever made before. Like, we knew it was going to take, you know, take a little bit of time, cost a little bit. And we went through probably three manufacturing partners during that process before we picked the final one. That's kind of, I mean, it really just started with Googling, a lot of Googling, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. which I mean, is kind of crazy, but yeah. Even that investment, right? 10, 15K, like that's driving you forward on making this successful, right? I mean, even that you're putting up that money now and you're like, well, we got to make this work at, at some point, right? Yeah. And again, like for us, you know, in the e-com ecosystem, like especially this direct to consumer space, it's so common to see just like 10 brands all selling the same thing. You know, we sell a lime green water bottle and it's like everyone else has the same lime green water bottle. Or like, you know, you, you think about a lot of the cookware brands, you know, there was like the caraways that came out and a few other, you know, other our place was another one. And then there was like 50 more. And it's like, so for me, if I'm going to go to market, I want to make sure that my product's unique enough that it's pretty easy to stand out. It's either people like this or they don't, and they find it interesting or they don't, versus it being, how can I position myself selling the same product against 20 other brands or selling the same thing? And then it's just a, you know, kind of a race, price race to the bottom. That 10, 15K investment up front, we were like, hey, we need to make something new and unique. That's just the price of doing that. Next question, and, and kind of pivoting off of that, like, what is the, the best piece of advice you would give 
other people that are looking to start something or you know purchase a brand like you did from on public supply like and grow that brand right obviously i think you you touched on it a little bit there with finding a unique fit and a product market fit but i'm curious like if i come to you and i'm like hey i've got this idea what do you tell me first question i ask you about is your margin so having amazing margin is everything in d2c ecom because people don't realize they're like hey i've got 60% margin on this product. It's like, okay, well, now you got to factor in your acquisition costs. You got to factor in all of your software fees, credit card fees, processing fees. You have to factor in if you're using like a 3PL for pick and pack, you've got that, you've got the potential returns, you've got taxes. And then at the end of the day, you're still trying to have a profit. And it, it is, you know, when you're a brand new brand and you're going up against brands that have been in, in the space for five, six, seven, ten. You know, I mean, depending if they're like been around for a long time, but a lot of these D2C brands have already been years, kind of years ahead. The first question I ask is margin. Like you have to have great margin to play in this space. Otherwise, you have to either find a way to like rework the product to make it a little more superior so you can charge more. That's like the biggest thing that I would say that someone needs to focus on. Because if you have enough margin, you can play this game a lot easier. When you don't have the margin, it makes it a lot tougher. I guess when you don't have the margin, you have to stick to a single or one, one or two marketing strategies, right? Like how can you grow that? If you have more margin, you can play around with a, a bunch of different aspects of it, right? Right. And then it's also just like scale of how fast you want to grow, right? I mean, if you've got 85, 90% margin on a product, you can go and acquire customers for significantly less than some people like that might be your competitors. And I think that being able to pay more to play is like, you're probably going to win. You know, it's something along the lines of whoever can pay more to acquire customers is, is going to be the winner, right? Because they, they've got their, to play with it. So yeah, I, I would say that's like a key thing. We have a lot of launch brands that'll come to Homestead and want to work with us. And part of, you know, part of our audit process is like, all right, give us your breakdown of your cogs, give us your shipping, give us your whole, basically give us your P&L so we can understand like, are the unit economics of this business even going to work in this e-com space where we have to pay to like get traffic and pay to acquire customers. Fascinating. Definitely fascinating. All right, moving on to the next segment, the venting couch. So talk, vent. Come on, vent. Go ahead, vent. I just needed to vent. Where'd you vent? Vent your frustrations. We all have had traumatic experiences when it comes to logistics, but it certainly doesn't have to be that way. If you're ready to heal your relationship with your supply chain, check out store.com to learn more. All right. What stories do you have for the venting couch? Any stories you want to vent about? Oh, man. So one of the biggest things is I was running growth for a coffee brand like four years ago, five years ago. And it was their Black Friday weekend. And the brand didn't activate their Black Friday coupon code. So we ran traffic, significant amount of traffic. And when I say significant, I mean like we probably spent 100 grand over the course of the weekend on ads without a Black Friday coupon code activated. And as the marketer who was driving ads with like code BF50 like or whatever it was, I don't remember it off the top of my head now, but probably should have been the one to catch that. So, you know, luckily they had an okay Black Friday weekend. It wasn't the absolute worst thing that probably could have happened. But yeah, that was an absolute show coming into that. You know, the calls with the, the clients on Monday morning was, was pretty rough after that one. But that, that was probably my biggest L that I've taken on the growth side of things is just no coupon code activated. They were still, they had, they had a decent Black Friday, right? It wasn't, it was okay. Yeah. And, you know, 
Right. I think the thing is, is like based on what I was forecasting, we probably could have done like three times the amount of sales. Yeah. There was just comments in all of the ads, like coupon code not working, coupon code not working. And it just, you know, me being the the advertiser then didn't catch that. And I wasn't checking the comments in the Facebook posts, uh, in the Facebook ads prior. So yeah, learned that lesson pretty quick. And, you know, now before every sale for every client of ours and just like, even for my own brands, I'm always just like double checking to make sure that they're, they're active. Just having a little PTSD from that from, you know, four or five years ago. ATD, attention to detail, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is a tough one. Anyway, thank you for sharing that. I know it's hard to share some of those moments, but we look back on them and we grow from them, right? Moving on to the next segment, all about the future. I'm curious, you know, what obviously we've all experienced a lot, right? You've personally have taken on new ventures. What lessons from the last two years are are you implementing for the future? So this is it isn't a show or isn't anything like that or you know, it's more just like a, a thing that I did that I humbly talk about this mistake. But I bought public supply with cash, which was the dumbest thing I've ever done. Because you don't realize the amount of capital it's gonna take to continue to grow a brand after you acquire it, right? One thing I've told a lot of young and you know, first time entrepreneurs or people that are trying to buy their their first business is like, okay, there's a ton of options out there for lending and you're gonna save yourself so much stress if you go work with SBA, you go work with any of these online lenders that that have popped up in the last couple of years. That <laughs> that was one thing that I like will regret for a little while because you know the purchase price could have turned into a lot of inventory, which would have kind of helped even just grow the company a little bit faster. So yeah, that's one thing that kind of like I've been thinking about a lot lately and trying to learn from. And I think you know when it comes to when it comes to growing brands that have physical inventory, I feel like, and I know I've said that financing probably seven times already on this interview, but like that is the name of the game. The cheaper money that you can get to borrow to buy inventory, the better chance you have of actually keeping things in stock, being able to like forecast out and buy future inventory a little bit faster, and then use your marketing spend a little bit smarter, where then you can allocate those to credit cards or those to like other partners that can get you cash back to buy more inventory, just little things like that. The debt financing side of things, I've learned a ton about in the last year. And that's one thing that I try to push uh, first time brand owners or even just our own clients to spend more time thinking about. Curious on that, you know, if I were to launch a brand and, and wanted to find a debt financer, how do I even go about that? I'm, I am naive to this. And it sounds like you have a lot of experience. So I'm curious what, what your steps are. Yeah. So I mean, buying a brand, I feel like SBA loans are your way to go. Going to your local bank versus like a massive chain bank is going to be your first step. A lot of local smaller banks are looking for ways to lend. And if it's an existing business that has, you know, profits, it's something that, you know, they'll happily do. It takes a little bit longer, it takes a little bit of time, but that's from buying a brand, that's what I would do. Now, as far as debt financing inventory, I've talked to Settle, Wayflyer, ClearCo, you know, there's probably 10 to 15 of them that I've talked to now, interviewed, tested out, saw how that all worked, even on the credit card side of things. So there's a company on the credit card front that I would use for marketing. It's been called Divi. They've been the best one, best cash back options. And they, you know, can definitely help you while you're a scaling brand, you know, as you're growing. But then, you know, Wayflyer has been amazing. ClearCode does a pretty good job. And then there's another one called Settle. That's really interesting. That does more like invoicing. So you can have them in invoice. You can send them your invoice for your PO with your manufacturer. You can push it off 30, 60, 90, 120 days. And essentially, it just like tax on a flat fee as a very small percentage each, like the longer you push that out. So if you're a brand that's, you know, trying to grow pretty fast, like trying to utilize as many of those as possible and 
there's a few of our clients that you know are utilizing the couple at one time, which is pretty sweet. So those are like the main ones that I've spent time and personally use. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. You know, as you focus on the future, both with your apparel brand, public supply, the agency, how are you advising or preparing for specifically the supply chain, fulfillment centers, 3PLs, warehousing and fulfillment? You know, how are you approaching that? What's kind of your thought process on, on where the supply chain, specifically around logistics, is going? Yeah. You know, like I've shared about both brands we manufacture in the US, I feel like that's given us a lot of competitive advantage to like, move a little bit quicker, be able to take some more risks on, be able to work closer with our our manufacturers to like really, you know, dial in raw materials that are needed, stuff like that to, you know, keep production in line for our own brands. I know we have a couple of clients at the agency that, you know, produce products overseas and it just becomes a lot more of a headache versus being able to literally fly down or go to where your manufacturing, you know, partner is in just a, you know, a two hour flight, go visit them, sit in the, you know, the manufacturing plant and, and work kinks out of you know, new product ideas, stuff like that. So, I, you know, I plan to continue to, to focus on, you know, if I do launch more brands to, to, to be, you know, US manufacturer, I think that's been a, a huge thing for us. But then, you know, outside of that, it's tricky. I mean, like, I think that the 3PL side of things, the fulfillment side of things is, is really fascinating. So for, for the apparel brand, we did all fulfillment for the first 90 days in-house. And I think that's really important to do as a new brand. I think that it sucks and it's a lot of work and you learn like how tedious it can be, but you also learn, you know, a lot of like things where, you know, you're learning customers are buying X, Y, and Z, and this is why, and maybe they're buying X, Y, and Z because they don't understand how your, you know, sizing works on your website. So they're buying multiple sizes. So maybe you should go fix the, you know, user interface of your website for your sizing. The way that they're exchanging products, we can learn from that. I think that also just even learning like the types of packaging you can use to save money on from poly bags to boxes to whatever. By doing all that stuff and being hands-on for the first like 90 days, 120 days, I feel like you learn a lot of those things before you go find a 3PL partner and you go shop around for 3PL partners to say like, hey, I've already nailed this down. You don't need to do the research for me. Like this is the cheapest way to ship. Now what is like your best price? That was like kind of the way that we went about it. And I feel like that helped us significantly like kind of finesse deals with the 3PLs that we that we work with to save money on it. Because, you know, I think a lot of them with brand new brands, like they're going to try and offer you the best thing that they can, but they're not going to spend extra time and energy and hours of like, does this box that's slightly smaller weigh a little bit less actually going to save this brand money? Like they're going to kind of just like pick the you know general best case solution for you and go with it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of unknowns, right? Like even on the the coming from the three PL side, you know, talking about a, a brand that hasn't launched yet, there's significant amount of unknowns, right? And you are investing in each other, and we talk all the time on this podcast and stored specifically about you know that partnership being a marriage, and and you want to make it work, right? Because if that brand's growing, then the 3PL provider's growing. And you know they want to be doing more orders, but there's a lot of unknowns. And I think by doing it in-house and starting with that in-house feel, you not only learn a lot about yourselves, but you learn a lot about your customers too, because they're relying on you to get it out, right? And, and then you can put that pressure back on the 3PL as, as long as you, you know, decide to go with one, or maybe you make the decision to keep it in-house, right? Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I think for us, you know, we'll always use a 3PL. I don't plan to, to go in-house again for both the brands. I mean, we're, we're a marketing machine. Like that's what Homestead is. So like the, the best way that we apply ourselves to our brands is on the growth marketing side. We're not the fulfillment experts. We're not the logistics experts. We're like the ones that know how to acquire customers profitably and move units. So we kind of found the right partner that can align with us and, you know, coach us a little bit here and there. So yeah, that's kind of my plan for the next couple of years. Good stuff. 
What uh, what about predictions? What do you have in tap? What are you thinking about predictions for the next two years? I mean, I think we've already started to see some of this, but on the direct consumer e-commerce side of things, I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of brands fall off due to the fact that like this whole Facebook algorithm, iOS stuff has really changed the game for acquiring customers, you know, very profitably, very easily. I think that we'll find more there'll be better brands that stand out more. I think that that's something that we're going to start to see more of. We've even seen that like at our agency. I feel like in the early days of starting Homestead, we'd probably have, you know, five, six brands all selling the same product. Now it's more like, hey, we have a lot of individual brands selling individual things that they're like the best of, best in class of that one thing. Which I think is great for consumers because they've kind of <laughs> had to validate that, get through that stage. And if they've gotten past this kind of like, wave in iOS and acquiring customers and still being able to grow through their products probably pretty dang good. And I think that also like tightens up the competition for new players. It's like, hey, you can't really play in the space anymore unless your product is really good, your website's really good, your ads are really good. Like it all has to be done really, really well. So yeah, I think we're going to see better quality brands in the next couple of years. As part of that, do you envision that, you know, you mentioned that you were working for six months on three different manufacturers. You put up a bunch of cash, right? And and you're working on that. You think that window gets larger and you're, you know, focusing more on product development, making sure you get it right before you launch? I think people are gonna have to do that just for the fact that they're gonna have to even go back to like the drawing board on the math side, which is like the margin side, right? I feel like you used to be able to run brands with 50% margin, gross margin products. Now you kind of have to play in that like 75% gross margin to really grow brands. So I think there's going to be a lot more of that. People are going to try and launch things. They're going to realize the unit economics doesn't make sense. And then they're going to have to go back to the drawing board and be like, okay, how can I make this? How can I charge more for this product, but also make this product better so it's worth charging more? So I have the margin to play. So yeah, I think I think there's going to be a lot more of that. Goes back to your one piece of advice, all about margin, right? Yeah. Show me the margin. Show me yeah. the margin. Yeah. All right, totally. good stuff. Moving on to the last segment, wrapping up with some quick hitters here with Zach Stuck. I feel the need, the need for speed. Ow! Ow! Let's dive right into it. What do you say? Let's do it. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. I'm ready. All right. Favorite hobby outside of scaling brands? The newest obsession is uh, wake surfing. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this. So it's like... Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm in the Midwest. So uh, we don't have... You know, we don't get to actually surf out here in, in the Midwest. Yeah. It's like this new fad where, you know, like ski boats, they've converted them into boats that have ballast, which basically yep. weigh the boat down so the wake gets bigger. So you can actually surf behind a boat without a rope. So yeah, you'll catch me doing a lot of that this summer. That's the new hobby. Good stuff. I am terrible at it. I have tried and not been <laughs> successful. If you didn't work in the supply chain, if you weren't a growth marketer, right? And what would you be doing? If you weren't a, an entrepreneur, I know it runs in the family. What would you be doing? That's such a tough question. I feel like this is all... I mean, I'd probably work in like the automotive industry. Like I love cars. So I feel yeah. like trying to get a job for an incredible brand like Porsche, trying to design cars, something like that. Even like if it was design Porsche's apparel, maybe, I don't know. But yeah, I think it would definitely be more in that like automotive kind of side of things. All right. What was the last thing you bought online? Ooh, I think I bought, it was a new coffee grinder. I kind of balled out okay. and spent a little bit of money on a nicer coffee grinder. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Kind of boring, but you know, it was pretty expensive. So hoping that the coffee tastes better. I don't know. It's probably in my yeah. <laughs> probably. But we were talking in the previously before we started recording that neither one of us really eat breakfast. We just kind of drink coffee. So yeah. really hope the coffee tastes better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Favorite concert of all time. Oh man. So fan of hip hop. So I saw Kanye West with my wife in Chicago. So that's his hometown. Oh, yeah. This is like four or five years ago. And you know, 
crazy stage, like over the top. He he rants on stage for probably 30 minutes. Um, it was it was like peak Kanye West. So I was a big fan of that concert. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good stuff. All right. Well, last question. If, if folks want to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that? Are you going to be posting on Instagram your videos of wake surfing? What, what's going on? How can we find out? Funny enough, I'm like pretty quiet on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> you know, you, you can find probably find me on there, but I've got no posts in my feed. No, Twitter. Twitter's the space. Go follow me on Twitter. Reach out to me. DMs are open. Zach M. Stuck. M as in Michael. Um, yeah, definitely come chat it up. Chop it up on Twitter. All right. That's where I'll be. Good stuff. And best place to find Public Supply and I guess find out about the Stealth brand that we'll be launching yeah. here shortly. We'll be on on Twitter as well, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You can check out Public Supply, public-supply.com. We're a B Corp. I don't know if I shared that earlier. We donate 25% of our profits to uh, support public schools. So yeah, go check that one out too. Good stuff. That's a wrap, Zach. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Alex. If you're looking to grow your D2C e-commerce business, check out homesteadstudio.co. Homestead is a growth agency behind massive brands like Hexclad, Gordon Ramsay's cookware brand. They specialize in acquiring customers profitably through paid channels and increasing your customer attention and lifetime value through optimizing own channels like email and SMS. Thanks for listening to this episode of Supply Chain Therapy, a podcast brought to you by Stored. Make your supply chain a competitive advantage. Go to stored.com to learn more.